Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Lincoln's Bible from Twitter. She's also known as Stephanie. She has a podcast called The World Beneath which is totally fascinating. You can often see her on Greg Oliar's podcast. She writes. She's really amazing. And talking to her was a lot of fun. I know you're going to like it. But before we get into the conversation with Lincoln's Bible, I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going. If you enjoy today's conversation, take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see most of the time I talk to political people, but occasionally I interview actors because I used to be one. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up With Me, a show for patrons only after each free show. Check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that allows you to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found just stop by the itunes slash apple podcast store become a subscriber it's free and while you're there please rate the show and leave me a review i would really appreciate it now please enjoy my conversation with lincoln's bible welcome to the show stephanie aka lb (laughs) (laughs) thanks kimberly (laughs) well obviously i'm aware of you because of twitter you're kind of a big deal on Twitter. And then also, Greg Oliar has been on my show a million times, and you're always uh, doing stuff with him. And you do have a podcast on your own. So before we get into all the other stuff, I just want everybody to kind of get to know you because you and I don't really know each other. Um, so tell us about your podcast. Okay. Well, it's called The World Beneath. Mm-hmm. And we just, um, I think, got to the end of the first season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the basic quick understanding of it is that it's a uh, hundred years of history that I'm working back through <laughs> to uh, show people what the underworld really is mm-hmm. um, uh, beyond the sort of movies of mobsters and movies of spies that we all, uh, everyone loves and we all consume and think mm-hmm. we know the world and mm-hmm. feel familiar with it, but it's really about, okay, well, who's really in that underworld and how does it really operate and what is the money really all about and how was it made? And most importantly, where did this intersection of mobsters and spies um, happen? Mm -hmm. How long has it been sort of connected? And what role do they play in the underworld, both on their own behalf and in response to one another? And so when I... Just use a very, I'm using very pop culture terms mm-hmm. when I use mobsters and spies, but really we're talking about um, organized crime, mm-hmm. specific to organized crime, um, and crime syndicates, as well as uh, on the on the spy side, um, intelligence operations and intelligence operatives, hmm. uh, assets agents, you know the full spectrum of it, but mostly the operations, mm-hmm. and so that is not necessarily a domestic um, exploration that we'll do. <laughs> you know, uh, spy agencies and um, operations fueled out of spy agencies all over the world, as there always have been. Um, and so we're just looking at the 100 years of history to where those two things have intersected and come together to form the world beneath us. Wow, that's a great idea. That's such a fa- – and w- what's so awesome and bizarre – and I don't know if you know this, but one of the contributors to your show, her name is Judy. She and I used to study acting together years ago. And I did an interview. I saw you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that interaction on Twitter where you found each other. <laughs> that uh, was so funny and crazy. And it's like, what a small world. I mean, she's an actress still. So I guess that's why she's working with you. But um, I was so excited to see yeah. that. And the other thing I just want to ask you about real quick. This is where we can really start going. Um, you know, on your feed, you have a, I think it's your pin tweet, I'm not sure, but it's a little blip from your show. You got Andrew McCabe on there, which, kudos, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, you guys were talking about, I'm going to read this here because I wrote it down. You suggested that We America was invaded from the underworld up, and you're talking about Russian gangsters. And when you started, when you asked him this question, 
he was like, oh, my God, I thought you were going to ask me a really hard question. No, we were totally invaded. So can you just kind of elaborate on that conversation? Yes. Yeah, so so you, so it is pinned on my Twitter, but for anyone who hasn't um, listened to the series, Kimberly has just given you the spoiler for the <laughs> last <laughs> – for the end of it. Um, so – uh, that Andy McCabe was it's so lovely to come on and, and talk with me, and he, he's just um, – I consider him a hero <laughs> for what he did. Yeah. Um, I, I have a very different perspective, I think, than most people out there about what happened during um, both the the so 2016 campaign and then the – especially the early years of uh, the Trump administration. I just – I just – I just have a different background, and so I have, and I had different knowledge, and so I had a very different perspective on it all. Mm-hmm. And so I saw Andy McCabe as this, for me, this real hero, mm-hmm. um, kind of holding up the FBI through this incredible moment with someone. Um, and I can't put this on him because he doesn't say this in the podcast, and I, I would never put him in the position of asking him this. Mm-hmm. But you know, Donald Trump it has. The ties that he has to Russia, and I think this is very clearly laid out in all of the great investigative reporting that has been done around it, including some of my own. Mm -hmm. The ties that he has to Russia are not just sort of Kremlin ties and old sort of Soviet ties of going over there and visiting Moscow and and whatnot, but are to Russian organized crime, to some pretty Mm -hmm. serious gangsters. Mm -hmm. They were flooded in his uh, tower. They're just sort of all over the place. Um, And uh, so... When I was looking at that and having that knowledge and knowing, oh, my God, it's the Russian mob um, is all over this guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 it really was the launch of why I got onto Twitter in mm. the first place because I did know this information. Mm-hmm. I did find it at the time being incredibly underreported um, when just about anybody in New York City, <laughs> especially <laughs> journalists, especially the, the sort of seat of a lot of mainstream media – um, uh, that are there, are based there, from print publications to, you, you know, even cable news, all of these people knew that he was <laughs> with Russian mobsters for a really long time. So the, the question is that I pose at the beginning of season one of the audio series is I look at two, two assassinations that happened in 1985, and that's sort of our way in. That's my device to sort of bring the audience into the world and start rolling time back. And really, we do go back 105 years and hmm. say, what, what, was this, what is this all about, this guy? And that's it. That's the only time I mentioned Donald is in the first episode and then in the last episode as well of the narrative side of the series. Mm-hmm. Well, in the, in the late 70s and early 80s, we started getting a real big, we being the United States, started getting a huge influx of emigres from the Soviet Union um, while the Soviet Union was still intact, right? It was still still there. The Kremlin was still, the intelligence service, the main intelligence service there was still the KGB. Um, and we were getting a lot of people coming, and uh, for justifiable reasons, they mm-hmm. really needed to get out yeah. of, of the Soviet Union, and it was a good thing that we allowed um, so many people to come in this sort of, a, uh, this sort of Russian, it was mostly Jewish, but Russian Jewish diaspora that ended up uh, lot through passports via Israel, ending up in, in, in a, many, many, many in New York City, and especially in, in an area called Brighton Beach, which kind of, and then ended up becoming Little Odessa, and then down south to Florida. So you can track the sort of uh, what was happening there in the decades that it was happening. Well, what we sort of unroll in the show and the, the expertise that I had that even brought me to Twitter in the first place was the thing that some of the, uh, those emigres had is that they were actually members of organized crime. Hmm. They, they were, and they, and they came over and they began doing deals in a small percentage. It wasn't like it was, it was just a small percentage as, it, as one would expect. And they began doing deals with our crime families, uh, hmm. most notably – are what are known as the five families. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started with the Columbos, but it became primarily the Genovese crime family. And there were gas scams and there were bank frauds and there was Wall Street stuff and 
there was uh, all of this sort of partnering going on and and these gangsters from the and they were sent from the Kremlin wow. <laughs> these sort of Kremlin gangsters right they came over they signed agreements with the you know we can do that podcast and and I'd let you listen to a former head intelligence officer from the KGB saying yes oh absolutely we signed we had them sign wow. uh, agreements before they could get their get even get to through Israel through that passport system that was set up to come to America that if we ever called on them um, and we wanted them, they would have to show up for us. Everybody had this kind of sign this, and 99% of people said it got over to the United States. We're like, goodbye. <laughs> you know, they were just yeah. getting out of there, getting away from that oppressive, horrible, horrible system. But the gangsters were like, yeah, we're all in. And um, so the deals started happening within the underworld. Mm -hmm. The infiltration of the of the sort of Kremlin's grip in a very different way than it ever ha it ever had been it happened in the in, it really started flourishing the 80s and the 90s and a lot those people were ending up in um, and working primarily with the Genovese by the end of the day and in that territory so in that last ep interview that I do um, in the world beneath with Andy McCabe what what one of the reasons why I've had my eye on this guy for a long time is like oh this is a this is a very valuable person to to our national security mm -hmm. is that he actually made his bones in the FBI as a street agent investigating Russian organized crime. Oh wow! So if you read his book and if you look into it, you could see that some of these sort of larger characters that did end up in Trump Tower um, that did end up intersecting what would become. Uh, president, his his business and his life mm -hmm. were investigations that Andy McCabe was involved with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the most notable ones being a guy that was uh, responsible for um, rigging, helping to rig the the, uh, the Olympics for gambling and things like that for on the Russian side of things uh, for the Russian Olympic uh, side, the Russian Olympic whatever it was called, as well as you know poker games and stuff happening in in Trump Tower. Hmm. He's and he's been on the run. <laughs> the FBI tried to get him and he took off. He's a major gangster. Wow. So he's just sort of one example of that. That's that's really what we're talking about of when I say we got invaded from the underworld up. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in the era of our having a great nation state enemy adversary that we had with the United States versus the Soviet Union. For those of us who are old enough to remember the 1980s um, it, and 70s, that was our that was our global adversary. They were sending yes. gangsters to our shores, and those gangsters did end up doing deals with our crime families, our U.S.-based crime families, and were making more money for those crime families than they had ever made. Wow. Which is why I roll back a hundred years because I want to keep people to see how our crime families made their money. Mm -hmm. What was the laundromat? How did where did all of this begin? How did crime get organized in such a way that it could be invaded? That it was a target mm -hmm. for a hostile foreign intelligence service Jeez. to send their goons to roll us up. Wow. So what happens when organized crime, when there's a roll-up? And, and people maybe in New York will remember this sort of – there was a lot of in-your-face wars that happened, started happening about the mid-'80s and through the 90s with Russian organized crime. Mm -hmm. It's very violent. Um, and so it was spilling into the streets. Um, but what, what you see with – when organized crime goes at war, territorial war like that, right, um, whether it's – there's a, an amazing uh, – some amazing books on the, the sort of port wars in St. Petersburg um, uh, with organized crime in the 90s as well. It, that Even there, right, or over here, and even historically over here, in Italy, in China, and in, in, in where you have crime syndicates, it's a, it's a merger and acquisition when they go to war. <laughs> it's not, okay, now it's our territory, and, and whoever lost is exiled somewhere else. Mm -hmm. It's that's not that's not the end result. The it's it's a fight for who's on top of the of the money totem pole. Hmm. Who's 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 going to run? Who's going to own this? It is a merger acquisition. Mm -hmm. It's just done with blood. Right. And so when I say we were invaded from the underworld up, what I'm also talking about is that those very serious gangsters out of the Kremlin 
and boy were they powerful and mm -hmm. boy were they ruthless and my god did they have a shit ton of money mm -hmm. and real scams scams that that could rig markets when they oh, wow. came in and took over and those sort of there was there was mergers but you know it's not like the genovese crime family which was at that time the most powerful crime family in the world was just going to relinquish itself over mm -hmm. <laughs> to the rest yeah. of the guys crime um, when it came to these rackets, when it came to territory, it really was a roll-up. So um, those motherfuckers rolled us up. Wow. They did. And when that's happening, anybody who was a business front, a launderer, a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anywhere down the totem pole mm -hmm. of, uh, even in the business sector, of working with our crime families, right, mm -hmm. doing things like... Um, uh, enabling the concrete cartel to pour a tower in, in midtown Manhattan um, and make their grift off of the, the price fixing involved in the in, in the concrete scams, yeah. right? Like the former president, you know, you're an asset of organized crime. Your crime family just got rolled up by the Russian organized crime. Yeah. You now belong to the Kremlin. Yep. So in that context, I think all of what if everyone wants to look back and try to unpack Trump Russia, you 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 have to land yourself in history. You have to land yourself in how the underworld works. How do how do these people uh, um, conduct their business? Mm -hmm. um, how much money is at stake? What is reasonable to even believe that it didn't happen when you're talking about billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that we know and we could see getting moved from from uh, U.S. bank accounts over into Russia. Yeah. Like, it's it's not a hard story to tell mm -hmm. if you're standing in the underworld in the blood money and looking at it. It's a very complicated story to tell if you're trying to make all of these characters fit into our realm and make sense as a reality TV star. It's, it's confusing. Yeah. But if you stand in the world of organized crime hmm. and where that intersects with intelligence services, especially foreign intelligence services, especially the KGB at the time, uh, it's not a hard story to tell. Wow. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to live in Russia in 1981. I was 12. So, I'm, you know, I have absolutely no knowledge of, of what you're talking about because of that experience. But that experience did give me an insight to... I mean, just as a 12-year-old girl, you know, the coldness and the cruelty of Soviet Russians. And so I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine the people that you're talking about. What the, I mean, I, I mean, the people that I encountered most of the time were just authorities, you know, whether they were like the militiamen standing in boxes on the street eyeing everybody. I knew that my father worked for ABC News, so he was a correspondent. He was closely watched, and I would rig my apartment, the, the, the place where we lived. Uh, I, you know, I was told that the Russians would come in when you weren't there. So I would rig our apartment with, like, pieces of hair on doorknobs and things like that. And sure enough, you know, they would break yeah. in, and they would, they would look through our stuff. And um, so, uh, you know, my experience over there, when Trump won, and I say that in quotes, uh, well, I should say when Trump won, I was, I was afraid for, for many reasons. But then when I found out, you know, I mean, Hillary had been warning us, but I was not aware. I was not aware to the extent of what was happening. And then, you know, when it became clear that Russia was helping him, and as we continued to learn, it was making me really freaked out because I think Americans, and, you know, I want to ask you about this, but it seems to me that Americans have been so fortunate, even though America is not perfect and it's flawed and everything, we have been so fortunate to have this democracy. And I always said that, like, I learned what patriotism meant when I was 12, because I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I get it now. I understand what that means. Um, really appreciating America, even though it's so completely imperfect. Um, but I recognize that our country could go down very quickly. And I think a lot of Americans don't think that way. They think, oh, it's never going to happen. Roe versus Wade is never going to go away. And, you know, the Russians will never win. And American democracy will stand. But I mean, do you think that Americans are na naive when it comes to how quickly we could fall apart? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think it's kind of scary. And then I want to just go over. There was a 
you had answered somebody. So first of all, the sad truth on Twitter posted two Republican campaign operatives, one of whom Trump pardoned a month before he left office, have been charged with funneling money from Russia to the Trump campaign in 2016. And then somebody said to you, you were right about the pardons being a mob roadmap. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, one of the people is it, it was pardoned yeah. <laughs> by Trump. Right. So it, you know the it, again, it becomes um, you know sort of a a, a a more specific conversation inside of all of this in, in terms of what Americans know. Are they naive? Mm-hmm. Are they aware? Well, Americans, you know, I find first of all, and, and I didn't know that about you and 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 your family and, and being twelve and that you know. Mm-hmm. So you did get to see mm-hmm. how um, our biggest nation-state enemy at the time operated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's just, for me, and I, and I study the worst people ever, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, um, and there's no, and I'm, I'm not biased coming into it. I really mm-hmm. try not to be, mm-hmm. but there's just no question to me that we're the good guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just. Like we're the global good guys. I know yeah. there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of flaws, and trying to be the good guys has led to some horrific stuff. But, but we're the good guys, and our intelligence services—they're the good guys. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of important to understand, and it doesn't mean that we're the the, the thing not to do is never underestimate how good the bad guys are mm-hmm. at being bad guys. Totally. They're really, really good at being bad guys, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, it's a real fight and a struggle to keep up with it and protect the nation in the way that it needs to. And and we've been failing. We have yes. been because we, in, you know, the Republican Party installed uh, a, a Kremlin asset who who mm-hmm. was born into the underworld of organized crime. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it, it's incredible, but it happened. Yeah. Um, and that's a very specific thing. It's very, very specific. Okay. So the the failure really for, for the American people is we do rely on journalism. Mm-hmm. We do rely on the news. We rely on people like your dad. Mm-hmm. We rely on the fourth estate to inform us. We can't go, you know, people can't do what I did. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, to vet the crap out of this and, and it pulled together all the past journalism like we really that's what the american people have in an open society mm-hmm. in a democratic society that's what we've got <laughs> we've got yeah. journalism in the fourth estate informing us about what is going on in the world and connecting stuff even if you have to connect it back to a, a hundred years of history to make sure mm-hmm. that people know who and what this person is and who and what the threat is yeah so Tying it back to the pardon question with that tweet, the coverage of the the press coverage of the pardons remained palace intrigue. Palace intrigue mm-hmm. reporting is mm-hmm. why we're in the place we're in. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's in the same bucket with me as he said, she said, mm-hmm. as um, both sizing things, <laughs> as you know, repeating, carrying talking points out of political uh, think tanks. As if those are are newsworthy leads, right? Exactly. Um, so, the pardon story was another story like that, where it was I, I was getting frustrated as I can get frustrated. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I laugh a lot because it's so ridiculous. I can't I believe we're living through this. <laughs> no kidding. Um, it is. It's just so ridiculous, and I swear, and it's all bad. But <laughs> the there are individuals in that list of pardon that are. Hardcore criminals connected into the crime syndicates that that both Donald Trump and his son-in-law have mm. been swimming in for quite a while. Yeah. So um, the palace intrigue reporting on it was, oh look, Charles Kushner got or Jared and Dershowitz are you know um, in there trying to influence Trump on who to pardon and maybe there's pay for play in the pardons and mm-hmm. maybe there's all the it was all just about the social dynamics going on right. between a whole bag full of of galactic criminals um, rather than looking at okay who's getting pardoned yeah right <laughs> who's getting pardoned? who are these guys mm-hmm. 
And and why does the president know these people? And mm-hmm. why does Jared Kushner know these people? And why does Alan Dershowitz know these people? Mm-hmm. Who are they? And, you know, there was even uh, one of the people I mentioned, that poker, uh, that, that it was a money laundering operation for Russian mm-hmm. organized crime run out of Trump Tower with the ruse of these poker games, right? Mm-hmm. It was a way of shift money and assets from one place to another and wash it and just – and just be generally horrible people. Right. Um, so uh, it, it, one of the key guys in all, involved in all that was on the pardon list. Oh, my God. And, and there wasn't a reason for – you know, usually there's a reason given right. for the pardon. Yeah. Right? They they were almost all – all of these. You know, they're packed in there and they're kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. Let's just pardon a whole bunch of people and we'll tuck, tuck these gangsters yeah. in here and maybe no one will notice – Right, and I notice because yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. But the press didn't notice. They just yeah. went with the dynamics in the Oval Office of Trump being horrible mm-hmm. and Jared trying to, you know, slime his way around things and like it's the same shit over and over again. It's yeah. gotten us nowhere, and that just normalized all of that behavior in the first place. But just about at least thirty percent of those pardons were on the scale of Mark Rich to me. Wow. Of just like holy shit, <laughs> pardoning a real criminal here. Um, that you're tied to. Yeah. So it, that's a roadmap. And here we get to see, right? Now, you know, I think it's, it's more and more and more comes out about the criminal operation that was Trump Org and the criminal operation that then, you know, Trump Org just sort of morphed into mm-hmm. the office of the presidency, which was, you know, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had their hands on, you know, our, our most – uh, valuable intelligence products, and God only knows what Jared Kushner did with that. And then we're in charge of the nation, in charge of nuclear warheads, and in charge of um, of a pandemic response. Um, and <sighs> so there's a lot of death. So scary. I just I want to interrupt real quick and say I I think there's work being done on my. Um dish disposal right now (laughs) just in case anybody can pick up on that i'm just letting you know i'm not going to stop the show but also we have to take a quick break so we will be right back after this message okay we are back um so i just wanted to ask you as far as these possible indictments whether it's you know we're obviously seeing people being indicted from uh, the insurrection, but do you? What do you think the chances are? Anybody in the Trump administration who's really high up, whether it's Jared Kushner, whether it's Trump himself, is going to be indicted for any of this, whether it has to do with the insurrection or um, not so much the taxes because that's a little different. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's connected, and maybe you have something to say about that. But do you basically do you see the DOJ? indicting anybody really important i'm not sure yeah i am sorry to say it that way um i can see it um i don't know why some things haven't happened yet Mm -hmm. there's there was enough uh there was enough done in the special counsel investigation to to come in and charge him with obstruction of justice. I'm very concerned. I, here's another decoder, everybody. Let me just be the decoder. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this horseshit about Donald really is serious about running again and right. and journalists taking it seriously as if it's like the context of that is that guy wants back in the office because he wants immunity. Mm-hmm. from. For, he's scared. Hmm. He doesn't want to have to... Uh, ever finally face any consequences yeah. from a lifetime of running a criminal organization. Yeah. Um, and he's on the hook for a whole bunch of horrible, scary shit. He is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if our, you know, f- from our intelligence agencies to our allied intelligence starts sort of opening up shit on this guy, um, it, it's it, he knows what he's done. Yeah. He knows what he's done. He knows what he was involved with. Um, he is idiotic and insane but he knows <laughs> yes. what he done. he was he knew what he was doing in there mm-hmm. he was running a, a it was a crime spree yeah and if he's back in to office or at least announces something around close enough to where it's like you know some doj memo you know because we're run by memos we're not really run by the constitution anymore i'm convinced now that we're into an issue where it's who is above the law, mm-hmm. it's not the Constitution that's going to tell us. It's these memos that mm-hmm. people write inside the Department of Justice. 
So, you know, there's a memo uh, saying, you know, you, you know, during an election year and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what's going on. This guy, he doesn't want to be indicted. Yeah. He doesn't want his fraud. More importantly, he doesn't want the fraud of who he is. <laughs> to be ex- fully exposed. I don't think he can survive that. I think no. his brain will snap if if it's if everybody in, in, uh, on the planet, especially Americans, get to see yeah. you know the shit that we all knew since the, since the Apprentice days. If you were if you were out here or if you were in New York since the um, you know the seventies and eighties, that this guy is a complete and total con man mm-hmm. and a criminal. Um, And it's all just been a a massive fraud on the American people. So who who and what he is. So I think that that's the decoder. That's Mm -hmm. what the panic is, because when does he start panicking and making threats and doing weird things, even though he's off Twitter, they'll care. People will carry his statements Mm -hmm. every time there's movement on the cases around Trump org. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, every wow. time he's he's sending up the flares, I, mean, I think he's terrified of Weisselberg. I don't think Weisselberg will flip. I I, I, I know these gangsters. I'm sorry. He's been mm-hmm. he was Fred's he was Fred's guy. Mm. <laughs> Fred's Fred's people uh, ain't gonna flip. Right. Uh, you know that was directly directly and specifically for quite a long time controlled by Costello. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah. Those those old. Those old old guys, they're going to go to prison. They were born to go to prison. Hmm. They'll be like Paul Manafort. They'll look great when they come out, right? It's like it's like a, a spa for them. Mm-hmm. This is what they were made to do. They were they're criminals. They're born into the criminal uh, organizations in an underworld. Their families usually drenched with criminality, and they know where they got to go. And then they go away, and then they come out, or they don't come out. Right. But that's their life. They're Jeez. not going to. You know, he's not going to nice work. I don't know. I'd be shocked, right? So that's all the state stuff. That that stuff, I do think um, Donald and his children, they're all going to face. And and Jared, I think I think people are going to face the. I think they're going to face the music. I think they're going to run away. <laughs> I said this from day one on, uh, about Donald. He's running away. Yeah. Everybody. He, he's he's going to pull a. You know, Marcos out of the Philippines was one of his buddies. He's going to do that. He's you really gonna think he's just going to leave the country? Absolutely. I do. I do. That's my belief. Mm-hmm. My belief is if if it looks like um, mm. he's going to have to right. – he's going to get indicted around uh, – just in this, on the, you know, out of Syvance's Cyvan- old office now, mm-hmm. I guess, right, or from uh, Attorney General uh, of New York, he's out. Mm-hmm. Wow, no way. that's fascinating. He's sticking around. Um, that'll that. be interesting to see. Now, do you think? Do you think? Any, what do you think of Garland? Uh, boy. <laughs> I think. What do I think? I'll okay. give a real. This is just a personal insight. Okay. Um, as a writer and like watching character and studying character, you know. <laughs> um. I think wearing a judge's robe and being in that role for a long, long time, um, it, it's, it's you, to be the sort of end arbiter of something mm-hmm. rather than the prosecutor. Right. Where you're sitting around waiting yes. for everybody to bring, oh, I see bring the saying, case yeah. forward, bring the evidence forward. I, I, my read on him, and it could be completely wrong, mm-hmm. is that that's, that's been an uncomfortable shift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we needed an aggression, mm-hmm. massive aggression, mm-hmm. and a sense of urgency out of our AG yeah. um, coming out of that. Because in the space that's allowed to accumulate by just, well, we'll just do things the normal way in the right, process. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I understand not wanting to endanger an investigation or make, but there was plenty of evidence. There was enough. There's plenty of prosecutors that said, oh, I would have, I would have brought charges day one because yeah. there was enough that happened and there yeah. was enough that we, that, you know, and then you really sure, you know, you have a strong enough case to, to actually indict and then, and then you're shoring it up as you're developing that case as well with, mm-hmm. a tri- with all kinds of uh, supporting evidence. And um, so... It's upsetting that he didn't do that because I, I don't think that there's a sense of urgency. I think there's a real 
desire to protect the department. The problem is that in this vacuum of time, it's being filled up by uh, by a weapon of war. It's mm-hmm. being filled up with uh, massive amounts of propaganda and, and gaslighting and really sort of weapons-grade shit going on to scramble people's brains around what actually even happened on January 6th that we all watched on television and we continue to see, you know, actual footage from. Um, and so, again, it's there, it, we are in a race against time because of those dark forces that can come in and pour into the space and, and manipulate it and muddy it. And, and you know, and they, they listen, you know, and, and aggress people, right? It's, that may be our critical and key to actually having the case have legs in the long run. Um, So I, to me, I'm very disappointed in the lack of awareness, Mm because I think it's a true lack of awareness, is my read on it, that urgency is as important in this situation as, um, you know, as DNA evidence. (laughs) It's like it it is to a case. It's that important. Because um, democracy is on the line. Yeah, it is on the line. It is on the line, and that's it actually, is on the line. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's bills that that are being discussed now, the freedom to vote bill and all that. Um, but I'm just curious to know what you think in terms of like how are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of American democracy? I think I'm I think I'm on the fence. I was <laughs> yeah. very optimistic through so much of the past 5 years because it, I knew he was a criminal. I yes. knew the people <laughs> that were that were that, that that the president was a criminal, he's out of a crime family, that 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 everybody at the Department of Justice knew that, right? Cuz they that had been there long enough because they had prosecuted yeah. you know cases around this guy for decades. Um that uh, that 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 enough people in the intelligence services were fully aware that he was um, at one point in time in bed with the Kremlin and mm-hmm. uh, and who and tracking beyond that probably quite you know in with all these Russian gangsters who were out of straight straight out of if not just reporting back to intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. So um, it all seems so. Uh, I was like, oh, well, this is this is going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. is no way. I looked at it for for five years, going, this is no way. This is going to be able to sustain itself, mm-hmm. right? It's. I was very hopeful, and as I've watched, sort of again, the lack of urgency, mm-hmm. and and I know people even go like, oh, they're going so fast. How can you say they're not fast? Well, nobody's indicted. That's right. how I can say they're not going fast. Right. No one's indicting for something that happened that they could have been indicted. They could have actually been charged for within at least within a couple of weeks after it did. Wow. Um, so uh, massive crime, right? Mm-hmm. And the the space, the void. What is filling the void? Um, you know, impartial. You could put some of that blame on the people who are allowing this this silence and this void to go on as long as it as it is mm-hmm. unnecessarily. I think in some cases. But what's filling it up now and the complete engagement of an entire political party in in making sure all of this sort of diseased stuff is filling up our discourse, is, is scrambling people's brains, is having them not even go out and get a vaccine or wear a mask mm-hmm, to yeah. save their lives or the lives of others, um, just as one little example of how, how corrupt it is, that the corruption mm-hmm. that's happening in in plain sight from the from an entire political party in a two party system that they just decided we're going to put our foot on the pedal for, for the car that that Donald allowed us to ride in he didn't build it but it, you know they're yeah. all on they're all in this car now and all of them in this clown car have their big ass clown shoe pressed on the gas pedal mm-hmm. and are driving like maniacs and are loving every second of it. Yeah. And that, that is the thing that makes me, uh, that why I'm not hopeful. 
Yeah, that, that's I mean, why I'm not hopeful. So, I, you know, you know, look, with every indictment against these fuckers, I truly believe at least a hundred thousand minds, if not more, are liberated. Mm-hmm. We got to liberate people's minds. Wow. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> um, point. That's a good point. And so that the power comes back into the into the voting box in a way that you know into into our hands in a way we have it. But a good portion of our, our, our body politic uh, is completely diseased mm-hmm. and corrupted. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's a, it's a cancer, and it needs to be cut out. Mm-hmm. And the way to cut that out, I believe there are very big, strong things that we can do, mm-hmm. big things we can do that will save us. Mm-hmm. But the longer we wait even doing one of them, uh, the more peril we're in. So one we can of those... end the filibuster. And yes, it. that's it. Yeah, um, and enshrine or do the carve outs for the voting rights right. and protect, protect. You know, to pass that John Lewis. You know, what's trying to happen there? We we can um, shut down and break up Facebook, mm-hmm. and it needs to happen immediately. Totally, immediately. Yeah, immediately that needs to happen. Um, you, you know, these are the things, and and indictments against. The criminals uh, involved in the in the last administration uh, who attempted to overthrow the government, mm-hmm. um, including the former president. You know, yeah. and with every di- indictment, at least a hundred thousand minds are liberated. Maybe maybe a, a million. Excuse me, maybe a million. So this is what needs to happen. And the longer we wait for any of it to happen, and it, uh, the more hopeless it becomes mm-hmm. because of what's filling the space. Because of the disease, mm-hmm. it's just filling the space. What do you think the chances are we're going to, at the very least, get a carve out so the bill can pass for the uh, freedom to vote bill? You know, I, I, <laughs> I hate every answer being 50-50 <laughs> for you, Kimberly. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I, I, that's okay. <laughs> Um, I think it's. I think it's a. I think it's right down the middle. I think yeah. it has a good chance. I do. I don't think it's. You know. Oh, it's ten percent chance. I don't. I think. I think there's a good chance. Um, and and the the people who want it defeated, who are who are, the reason they're going, their their clown shoe is pressed on every gas pedal it can be, is it that the the only way for some of these people to get out of the predicament that they're in is to seize power mm-hmm. just like donald wanted to mm-hmm. keep that office going for himself yeah. and even even you know even by planning plotting uh, making sure uh, uh, it was funded and then inciting a violent insurrection mm-hmm. um because when he's out of that office for him specifically and personally he is incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. Um, to being held to account and the way that if he was properly held to account, he would be in prison for the rest of his life and exposed. He's not the only one. (laughs) You know, you've got a lot of people with a lot of dark money um, Mm -hmm. behind them. You've got a lot of people who have very dark, very sinister reasons, Mm -hmm. I think, in politics for wanting to stay in power. Mm -hmm. Truly, wanting to stay in power. I have no hesitation in saying that the Republican Party wants an oligarchy. Mm They want everything privatized. They want their piece of that private pie. When it comes to all of our natural resources, they want to be oligarchs. They want the yachts themselves. Mm -hmm. They want the planes themselves. They want property all over the world. They want to be above the law Mm -hmm. because they want to control the system that actually creates the laws. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to destroy it. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what they're after. They're after democracy. Mm -hmm. Um, And... So because that's, for some of them, the only way they're going to they perceive that they can survive. Yeah. Um, the second to the last question I have for you is just based on what you've just been saying. Let's just say we pass the voting bill and we are able to get a, a bigger majority. Democrats can get a bigger majority in 2022, maybe even 2024. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think with the Fox right-wing you know propaganda machine all the brainwashing um are we able to like how does it work okay let's say there's no indictments no important indictments um Mm -hmm. but we do get the bill passed and we do gain a democratic majority but we still have fox news we still have facebook 
and we don't have the indictments that we need, at least at that point. Do you do you feel that if Democrats are able to, like, say, get rid of gerrymandering um, and then they build a majority and then they're able to, say, get rid of that dark money and get rid of some of the other ridiculous uh, things that make it easier for Republicans to take over? Do you think we can survive just based on that? If we expand the Supreme Court. Hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I hope we do. Now, I've heard these are big things you yeah. have to that. You know, this administration and 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 uh, the majority have to be willing to swing for the fences because mm -hmm. that is where we're at. Mm -hmm. Doing things just the way we've always done them and hoping that yeah, somehow right. that's going to save us is why we're here where the only thing left to us are these great big huge Hail Mary passes that we need to make. Because mm -hmm. um, that's, where, that's where we're at. Those are the stakes. That's the moment. That's the nice edge that we that we have walked ourselves out onto and so as much as it you'll have a convulsion in the in, it, from the from the radicalized minds to even a lot of centrists and even mm -hmm. oh you can't do this to the our system how can you disrupt mm -hmm. our system people just it feels it's very uncomfortable mm -hmm. to do a big sweeping change like that no matter how justified it is no matter how if you were to resurrect the founders, right, and Jurassic right. Park them back into existence, right, with with some frog DNA, they they would say to everyone's faces, "Oh shit, expand that Supreme Court right now." This is right. we didn't know we'd have this many people, we'd have this many states, we'd get this big, yeah. you know, we'd have this kind of these were the stakes. We'd have, you know, this please expand mm -hmm. that court. So um, it's just that. You know, it, it, it'll be hard. It'll mm -hmm. be hard, but it must be done. And then once it's done, rip off the Band-Aid, mm -hmm. do it. I think you'll see that the, the democracy, our system and democracy, that boat sort of settling down, yeah. finding calmer waters, and able to sort of really tackle some of the massive catastrophic issues mm -hmm. that we're dealing outside of yes. the uh, the domestic politics that we that um, we seem to uh, be in an impasse with um, in terms of what we need for progress, real progress. Right. And I, I mean, I um, keep hearing people say expand the court now, but I mean, do we have enough Democrats in Congress to do that? We're going to need everybody we can. Exactly. That's why I'm wondering. <laughs> every, every single um, seat Mm -hmm. Needs to go blue, everybody. That's it. Um, it's it, it, this is this is our time too. I too, I am hopeful about us. Yeah, I am. I'm not so hopeful about a bunch of gangsters and a, mm -hmm. a bunch of uh, rogue intelligence operatives that have found their way into halls of power, and um, a bunch of old white stale politicians. <laughs> I, I'm not hopeful about any of those motherfuckers. Right. But I'm really hopeful about us. I really am. Yeah, and that was my last um, question. What do you have to? What do we have to be hopeful about? Us, each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> each other. That's it. Yeah. That's what we got, and it's pretty great. It yeah, is. It is. Um, you know, here we're just kind of meeting for the first time mm -hmm. on this. Um, but we're like-minded. Mm -hmm. We have platforms. Mm -hmm. We have our eye on the ball. We never took our eye off the ball. Yeah. Um, we made big sacrifices. Mm -hmm. um, we're not alone. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of, of, of folks in this nation that love this nation and love the future mm -hmm. um, that we all can envision for it. And they will rise up and fight the way that you fight in a, in a democratic society as a peaceful people. Mm -hmm. um, I do think we will march. I do think mm -hmm. we will speak up. I think voices are going to continue to rise up mm -hmm. um, and be heard. I think we're going to show up at the voting booth and keep showing up. Mm -hmm. I know it feels exhausting. I know, I know everyone feels exhausting. Let me tell you, I'm really tired. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the sole provider for my family, um, of two generations of my family now. Wow. I work um, nonstop to make sure I can bring, you know, have, uh, do what I do in an industry that you know is really hard mm -hmm. um, uh, to make any money in, mm -hmm. um, and while also fighting this fight and continue to raise my voice and 
building a network of, of people that I know will do the same. Yeah. So if I have that in my reserve, and I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of older lady. Like, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, all of you guys listening to this, you all have it in your reserve as well. You mm-hmm. just do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to just draw on the reserves that we have. Um, take care of ourselves, but also know that you probably don't need to sleep as much. You can, you know, you can gain an extra hour in there if it means you're writing letters, right? Um, or volunteering, or making or phone banking, going or out, knocking yeah. on your neighbor's doors, yeah. or uh, becoming part of somebody's campaign and mm-hmm. and getting the message out. You know, it's that work. That wasn't a one-off. Oh, look, we saved ourselves. That's the right. work of democracy, and we need to do it relentlessly mm-hmm. um, in support of one another probably for the next 15 years. Absolutely. I mean, Kamala Harris said it, you know, that the the, the fight for democracy never ends. It never ends. Never we ends. always have to fight against the people who want to destroy it. So, yeah, I totally am there with you. And, God, it's been such a fascinating conversation. I definitely want to have you back on. I, I wrote a bunch of questions for you, and I only got to about half of them. So, um... That's <laughs> because I talked to... No, but I, 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 I love you. Hello. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> But you're, but you oh, have an funny. interesting perspective, and uh, I mean, I love Greg. Uh, so do my listeners. Greg is so awesome. Yeah. So it's not surprising that you would be equally as interesting and engaging. So definitely, hopefully, one day you'll come back. Um, but before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, they can find me on that stupid Twitter <laughs> <laughs> at uh, at Lincoln's Bible with an S in there. Nice. Um, and then uh, on any of the podcast platforms, uh, you can find the world beneath. Okay. Um, and uh, and give that a listen. And that's that's really the work. Yeah. Um, so I, I, that's where I would steer people, and and there'll be more coming. And I will send your kindest wishes because I know you want me to to Judy Johnson. <laughs> yes. <The> great Judy <laughs> Louise Johnson. It's just it just blew my mind to see she's like Kimberly. And I mean, God, it was in the 90s. For years, we were in the same uh, in the same acting class. Anyway, um, you can find yes. me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. You can find my books on Amazon. And don't forget to go check out Lincoln Bible's podcast. It's awesome. And I'm including the links to her uh, podcast as well as her Twitter handle on the Patreon page. So thank you for being on the show, Stephanie. It was awesome talking to you. Thank you so much. You take care.